to all of our guests and friends. Always a pleasure to see you and to see what God is doing in your life. Amen. How many know we need him? We need God. Never more so than today. And so we find strength and comfort in his word. And we're going to be looking at Mark 16, 15 to 16. And then Acts 2, 37, 38. Mark 16, 15 and 16. And he, Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, even the cat. Every creature, maybe. Eh? All of creation. And we're going to be doing a baptism. I've, cats don't like water, so I don't, maybe the gospel's not for them. I don't know. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth, everybody say believeth, and is baptized shall be saved. Now, if you want to take the chance, and some theologians quibble about it, you know, do we are we baptized because we're saved, or are we baptized because we want to be saved? Is it a sign that we are already circumcised in the flesh, or is it just uh, something that actually circumcises our flesh? Go ahead and debate, but but this scripture says, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved." So, if you want to just tell the theologians to shut up talking about it, just get baptized. How about that? Because that's what Jesus said in Acts 2, 37, 38. Now, when they heard this, this was on the day of Pentecost. Peter was preaching. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That's a question, right? What did Peter say? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be what? Baptized. How many? Every one of who? In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And what happens after that? Or what's the promise? And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And he called it a promise. This promise is unto you and to your children. And as many as the Lord our God shall call those that are far off. It's a promise. And so today, Cameron Taylor Harris is going to be getting baptized. And you've probably noticed that's the theme of this, these texts. We do have a baptism today. And so because it's been a while since I have preached specifically on baptism, I wanted to address the subject holistically for the sake of our baptismal candidate. And by the way, when you run, you're going to win because we're going to baptize. You're a candidate, but uh, guaranteed win today, man. And so I want to talk about this and address not only Cameron Taylor, but also anybody here that is beginning to feel the Lord drawing you to baptism or to remind you again about exactly what you are in Christ. You've been buried with him in baptism, all you believers here. You're not bought with silver and gold, but you were purchased with the precious blood. You were bought with a price. And so you can stand in that through the winds of time and circumstance to know I've been buried in his name. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. I've been given his name. I'm a special person. If you think you're special, clap to the Lord. You may be seated in Jesus' name. My title today is, Come On In, The Water's Fine. Come on in, the water's fine. Now, the story is told of a pastor who had just started 
preaching and pastoring a new congregation. And for eight Sundays in a row, think about that, eight Sundays in a row, sound like a series that would never end. He preached about baptism every one of those eight times. Finally, the chairman of the elder board approached him and said, Preacher, we get the point about baptism. We know it's an important subject. We're glad that you've been preaching about it. But I'd like to pick your text for next Sunday's sermon because we're kind of sick of you preaching about baptism. And the elder said, please preach on Genesis 1 and 1. The elder thought there was no way that the pastor could preach on baptism from, from the very first verse in the Bible. So the next Sunday, the pastor got up in the pulpit. He was probably a little bit of a rascal like, like me and uh, probably wanted to poke somebody in the eye that gave him that Genesis 1-1. And so the next Sunday, he got to the pulpit, read Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He then added the earth is about two-thirds water. Today's subject is water baptism. <laughs> you know, those rascally preachers, they'll do anything. But come on in. The water's fine. In fact, I tested it after we filled it up. And Britain, it was warm, wasn't it? But it's going to get cooler by the time you get in, I promise you. And uh, come on in. The water's fine. In fact, the back of this shirt says this. And we're going to give uh, Cameron one. It says, what are you waiting for? Acts 22, 16. What are you waiting for? To somebody that's considering being baptized, I want to ask you, what are you waiting for? Because if you know it's a command of scripture, if you know Jesus is dealing with you, I want to tell you, come on in the water's fine. This phrase, you've probably heard it. It was July 4th weekend, five years ago, and you were about to take a swim and somebody was already in there and as you walked Along the seashore, somebody called out, come on in, the water's fine. How many have ever heard that around a pool or a lake? We've all heard it. Come on in the water. If it's near a volcano, I encourage you to uh, double check or at Yellowstone. But I looked up this phrase and it's literally a request for others to join one in the water. Ooh. Join me in the water because I've been in the water. I've been baptized. My sins have been forgiven. So why don't you join me in there? Why don't you join me where the blood was applied? Why don't you join me when I became a member of the family of God where his name was placed upon my life? In the water where my sins were washed away. But, but it also means an indication that the water is an agreeable temperature. It's just the right temperature for somebody to have their sins washed away. It's just the right temperature for someone to go down and come up a new creation in Christ. And so I want to tell somebody, Brother Josh, come on in. The water's fine. The waters of baptism. Take the plunge. Join the countless, literally, I'm going to say billions of people across time that have taken the plunge, that have gone down in the water. They went down a wet center and came up a righteous new creation in Christ because there's something in the water that calls us. I looked on my, and I, did we get our pictures? My May 25th Faceagram tweet talk. Okay. I can't remember which one it was for all you social media people out there. Did I confuse anybody? Faceagram tweet talk. I am 
technologically literate today. I included all of them. And I saw my friends from end time ministry baptizing folks, and I think we have a picture to, to splash up there, in the Jordan River. They were baptizing or being baptized in the Jordan River. That's just literally May 25th. Kids might say baptized, but we say baptized in the Jordan. This was not a coincidence concerning baptism. The first baptisms mentioned in the Bible were carried out by John the Baptist. Guess where? In the Jordan River. People came out to him from all over Judea and all over Jordan and all over the various provinces of the Roman Empire. They confessed their sins and they were baptized. And then there was a time where both Jesus and John were baptizing and Jesus' disciples before John was beheaded. And we know that story. But people went all over confessing their sins and being baptized in the Jordan. And Jesus, in fact, was among them. How many know Jesus got baptized? Now, was he a sinner? No. Did he have to get baptized as far as to remove sin? No. But why did he do it? To fulfill all righteousness, to be our example. And so Jesus was among them. When John saw Jesus coming to him, he cried out, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And there was a voice from heaven. There was a dove that sat upon them. Think about this. In that one moment, and you'll find this theme time and time again throughout Scripture, blood, water, spirit. Blood, water, spirit. The Passover lamb, the Red Sea, the spirit like a cloud following them and leading them in the wilderness. You'll see it time and time again. The story of redemption. Blood, water, spirit. John cries out, behold the lamb of God, blood. Jesus goes down in the water of Jordan and then the spirit descends upon him like a dove. And the spirit told John that upon whom you see the spirit descend and remain, hear ye him. And so in that one moment, we have the full promise of salvation, the prophecy that blood, water, and spirit would be something that we could participate in. And so when we repent of our sins, we have, rem we have the blood applied. When we go down in the water, the sins are wiped away, and then the promise of the Holy Spirit is given to us if we believe. Can somebody say amen? amen. That's the promise. It's for you. And so, baptism is always linked with taking away sin. I can't load my recycle bin and trash. In fact, this morning, did I, I didn't take that out. Did you? I'm sorry. <laughs> I noticed it last night and I was thinking, I don't want to go around. I don't want to haul that out, have the ring doorbell chime hit the phone and everybody else's phone. And so I'll just wait on it. Well, it wasn't there when I left the house. Thank you, Nada. But here's the thing. I can't, I can't hardly keep up with it. There's, there's some things that just have to be removed and remitted. And that's what baptism does. You can't remove your own sins fast enough. You can try. You can do uh, behavior modification. You can do sinful things less, and, and all of us should, but you can't remove sin once it's stuck to you. It's like tar. 
you know, you're, you're roofing, a, I'm roofing my shed with dad and he got this tar and I got tar. It's like trying to get that off. It's impossible. You can't do it. We need baptism because it removes our sin. Jesus was not baptized for his sins, but he was baptized for yours. He wasn't baptized because he was a sinner. He was baptized because I was a sinner. And without him, I would not have any hope. And his baptism commissioned him as the Lamb of God, the future sacrifice that would provide the atonement. Think about that word. At one mint. Atonement. It removes that middle wall of partition. It removes the veil. It removes the sin and brings us as one with God in right relationship. Isn't that cool? At one minute. And so our sins being washed away in water is how God arranged for us to bear his name and to become new creations. In the early days of the church, Baptism was a declaration that the believer was definitely identifying himself with that group of people who were called Christians. And they were despised and hated. And we find that in the early days of the apostolic church, we had a repeat of that. They were despised and hated for baptism in the name of Jesus. And we are folks living in a hostile world. They are antithetical to Christianity. They, they hate us because we believe in righteousness and we believe there's something called sin. And they hate us for it. They call us haters and bigots. And it doesn't matter what the sin is. There's no range of sin. It's all sin, but we've got to name it as such and say it doesn't please God if he says don't do it. Can you say amen? amen? And so to be a Christian meant something. It identified, this baptism identified with them, with those called out people, with those Christians, with those weird people that came out of Judaism and, and talked about this, this Messiah that came and that was crucified. It said, I'm one of them. And I remember that song, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. And the verse says, there are people almost everywhere whose hearts are all aflame. With the fire that fell at Pentecost, which made them all acclaim, it is burning now within my heart, all glory to his name, and I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. You see, baptism is the great equalizer. For a wealthy man or woman of privilege to go to a sawdust floor tent revival in 1920 and to come out with his clothes wet and his hair all nasty and matted back and to walk out for public scrutiny and spectacle for him to say I'm one of them meant something. Baptism is the great equalizer. Kings and princes and great men and women of the world all have to go down the same way. They all have to say, I'm a sinner just like the pauper, just like the poor man, just like the laborer. There is no distinction in the waters of baptism. God is no respecter of persons. And everybody that goes down, you may go down poor, but you're coming up wealthier than Bill Gates because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have an inheritance. You have a relationship with Jesus. There's a mansion over there. 
There is a place prepared for you. So I'm laying up treasure for myself. And so it's the great equalizer. Clothes, status, degrees, wealth, your beautiful hairdo, ladies. You may have even got it. What do they call that? That thing Pelosi got in San Francisco. She got a blue out. She got <laughs> whatever they call it. She got a blowout. <laughs> she had to go get it. Floofed up during COVID. Floofed up. Nancy, I know you got sprinkled because you're Catholic, but we believe in immersion in Jesus' name. If Nancy Pelosi got baptized, she'd have to go down in Jesus' name in water, and she would not be able to keep her little floof-floof. She'd have to go down the same way, former Speaker of the House, record run at that position as far as time and term and whatever, whatever your opinion is of her, she would have to go down in Jesus' name and it would mess her hair up. It would blow up her, <laughs> blow up her status. And if Donald Trump did too, he couldn't arrange that hair with a giant comb over anymore. Okay? It's the great equalizer. And by the way, if Donald Trump is not baptized in Jesus' name and Nancy Pelosi is not a child of God, and I, I pray that they are, but maybe the fruit's not showing. Listen, I'm, I'm wealthier than they are. I'd rather be me than both of them put together. You know, it's a great equalizer. How many billions are you worth, Rob? Zero. How about that? I didn't make Forbes' list. But guess what? My name is written Woo. in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's a city that I'm a citizen of. And so, so why should you be baptized? First, because it's a command of Jesus. And I, I've had trouble following directions my whole, my whole life. Thank you, Mom. You kept trying. It's not your fault. But it's a command. It's, you know, it's not hard to do. He said be baptized, so I'm going to, well, how do I get baptized? Glad you asked. We'll take care of it, right? We'll, we'll, we got the hookup here. We got water. We got a t-shirt. We got somebody strong enough, hopefully, to, to pull you down and bring you back up. But it's just a simple command. In the scripture, Jesus commands them to be baptized. He links baptism as we read about, believeth and is baptized shall be. He links baptism to salvation by stating that those who respond to the gospel through faith and baptism will be saved. Is that good news or bad news? How many want to be saved? How many want to be a new creation? The reason Jesus did that was so the world could be saved through him. We are under the sentence of death. That's just the fact. We are born into sin. We have a sin nature. We are already under the sentence of death. The reason Jesus came was that we would have life and that more abundantly. He helps accomplish that because of the basis of his death, burial, and resurrection. He gives us the way to apply his work, his merit, to our lives through faith and baptism. It's been said that baptism is to the Christian faith what the wedding ring is to a marriage. 
it's not the only part of the marriage, but it, it's a symbol. It draws a mark on the ground between the past and the future. When I took this ring, it was a line of demarcation. I am now married to Nada Bach Rab as her husband. It was a line. When that ring was placed, it separated me from being single, Rob, to being married, Rob. And that was almost 25 years ago this October. She's a princess for putting up with me. If you know, you know, right, Mom? <laughs> Second, by the way, she took on my name, which we do take on Christ's name in baptism. Second, we should be baptized because it's part of the new birth experience. Jesus told Nicodemus, you, you might want to be. You should if you can get around to it. Sister Joy, what did, he, what did Jesus say? You must be born again of what? Water and spirit, unless what? You will not see the kingdom of, of heaven, of God. And so the new birth experience is comprised of both water and spirit. If a baby is born, it's not, you know, it's, there, there are several steps if you let the baby be born and you don't cut the umbilical cord, you don't do the little sucker thing to get the stuff out of the nose and the throat, you don't do what you need to do to keep them alive and really fulfill that birth in entirety, the baby will die. There is a new birth experience that includes repentance and baptism and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We've got to do the whole process to be born again. And so verse after verse links water baptism and spirit baptism. I think we have a few of those verses that we can throw up. But in John 3, 5, Jesus said, except a man be born of water. And then it goes, and of the spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. There's water and there's spirit. Titus 3, 5, Paul writes, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Water spirit. Acts 2.38, be baptized and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. Acts 19, they were baptized and when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. Do you see the link? Do you see the link? And so we should be baptized because it's part of the new birth experience. Third, we should be baptized because it is the scriptural example set for us by the apostles. Now, I did say that my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But guess where the apostles' names are written on the holy city? It's on the gates and the foundations. Because no other foundation can we lay than that which was laid by the chief cornerstone. And Paul set a part of that foundation through his doctrine. And so their names are in the Lamb's Book of Life, but the, the names of the apostles are on the foundation of the church. The church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and the apostles' doctrine. I do not get to choose to not do what they did and not to preach what they preached. I don't care what the theologians say about it. Paul said in Galatians 1, 8, 9, he said the same thing, almost exactly the same, back to back. But though we, the apostles, or an angel from heaven, if an angel comes to you, Mormons, if an angel comes to you, Muhammad, even if an angel preaches another gospel 
than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As I said before, so say I now again. If I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that which we have preached, let him be anathema or accursed. And so they set the example. The following scriptures tell us how they obeyed. Acts 2, Peter said, repent, be baptized. They gladly received his word, were baptized. Philip, with his preaching in Acts 8 to the Samaritans, it says they were baptized, both men and women. Ananias saw Saul, he was blind. God healed him of blindness. And then Paul arose and they were baptized. While Peter spake in Acts 10, they were baptized. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus, the keeper of the prison. The Philippian prison, the Philippian jailer came trembling, fell down at Paul and Silas's feet in Acts 16. The same hour of the night, he washed their stripes and he got up and was baptized. That jailer was baptized in Jesus' name. So they set the example forth. We should be baptized because baptism is part of our cleansing from sin and plays a role in the remission of sins, the removing away of our sins. In 1829, there was a man named George Wilson, and he was arrested for robbery, robbing the stagecoach. By the way, did you know that they took the mail seriously back then? Whether you killed anybody in the robbery or not, you could get the death penalty just for trying to rob a stagecoach or a train. I don't think they had a train in 1830s. But you could be sentenced to death. So this man, George Wilson, was arrested for robbery and murder in a U.S. mail heist because he robbed a stagecoach. He was tried and convicted and sentenced to death by hanging by the neck. And we have a picture of that if we can find it. It's quite interesting. But his friends intervened and they got... Old George Wilson, the criminal, they got him a pardon. And this was by President Andrew Jackson, old hickory, the man from Tennessee, had an inauguration. They about wrecked the White House. But when the pardon was presented to George Wilson, what transpired next was something that legal history has really never seen up to that point and really not since. Wilson refused the pardon, saying he wanted to die. It's the only time in history this has ever happened, and there was no precedent for it. Well, the sheriff didn't know what to do, so he, he was trying to ask President Jackson, how do, you, how do you execute a man that was pardoned? How do you do that? I, I don't think I have the legal right to do that. So an appeal was made to Jackson, and Jackson didn't know how to answer, didn't know what to do. So he turned it over to the U.S. Supreme Court. It took four months for the court to reach the Supreme Court and for them to make a decision. And now their ruling is part of legal precedent in history. On October 21st, 1830, the Supreme Court of the United States issued a ruling on the case with Chief Justice John Marshall writing the key phrase in the majority opinion saying, listen to this, a pardon is an act of grace that cannot be forced upon an individual. It must be accepted by the recipient to become valid. A pardon is a piece of paper, the value of which depends on its acceptance by the person implicated. Anyone under the sentence of death 
would hardly be expected to refuse a pardon. But if it's refused, there's no pardon. If it's refused, there's no pardon. If baptism is refused, there's no pardon. If you don't go down in the water in Jesus' name, I cannot guarantee you remission. I cannot guarantee you atonement, at one with God. I cannot guarantee you the promise of the Holy Ghost, although there are times when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit before they're baptized in water. That's shown in the Bible. But guess what they did first chance they got? I got the Spirit. Do I need to get baptized? Yeah, we'll dunk you too, man. Because you still can't get rid of your old sins until you go through that baptismal ritual that God commanded the apostles fulfilled and that we've experienced. And so the sad conclusion to this story and the sad conclusion that we find all across eternity really and back is that the man died, he was executed while a pardon sat literally on the sheriff's desk. Your pardon is as close as this book. <laughs> Your stay of execution is as near to you as a gospel-believing and preaching church. Your pardon from sin is as, is as close to you as repenting and saying, you know what, God, I want to be baptized. And God forbid you get killed in a car crash on the way to your baptismal. We'll let the theologians answer whether you can be saved or not. But guess what? God really loved that you were trying to get baptized. Your pardon is literally sitting there on the sacred desk today. The, in these notes, there's enough scripture here to secure a pardon for you if you will have faith and obedience in Jesus' name. And so, I think I'm going too long. It's 12.02. We're winding down here. My friend Nathan Huba pastors Ephesus Church in South Carolina. And that name, Ephesus, comes from the Greek word for remission. Ephesus Church. He named his church Ephesus because he wants probably somebody to look it up. What does this mean? <laughs> I bet that's probably part of it, right? It's, it's like what, curiosity. And uh, so somebody looks it up and they say, oh, it's a Greek word. Oh, the New Testament's written in Greek. Oh, great. Ephesus means remission. What does remission mean? Maybe they'll search a scripture and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Then they know that church believes in remission of sins. And then how do people get remission of sins? They might Google. Well, in baptism. Well, that church believes in baptism. I'm a sinner. I need to be baptized because I want my sins remitted. Ephesus church is the place for them in South Carolina. So remission is important to us, and it takes place in baptism. Fifth, we should be baptized because baptism identifies us with being buried with Christ. As the music comes, Paul said in Romans 6, 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Even so, Grace Point Fellowship, even so, guest and friend that's here today, 
even so we also should walk in newness of life. Just as repentance represents the death of the old man, so baptism represents the burial. After we have repented of our sins and the carnal man has died, as it were, we must bury that old dead body of sin that the new man can rise up to walk in newness of life. It's baptism that marks us as recipients of the new covenant. Just like Abraham had to, to show a sign of his covenant with God, had to be circumcised. So baptism marks us as being set apart for God. It is a circumcision of the heart that happens in baptism. Paul says in Colossians 2.11, In whom Jesus Christ also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism. Do you see the link? Abraham was justified by faith, but he still had to be circumcised. We are justified by faith, not by works, but we still have to be circumcised through the washing in the water of baptism so our trespasses can be forgiven as we stand together. So how should we be baptized? Well, you're going to see it today. It's going to be in water, in full immersion, in the name of Jesus Christ. The word baptize comes from Greek baptizo, which means to dip or submerge under. It's like a sinking of a ship, baptize. A ship doesn't sink by sprinkling. It's baptizing and immersion in the name of Jesus. We find that the Ethiopian eunuch went down into the water and Jesus came up out of the water after the baptism of John. You can't go down into a sprinkling and you can't come up out of a sprinkling. It's deep water. We got some deep water over there, don't we? It, how cold is it, Brother DJ? If hypothermia sets in, we've got trained people to yank you up. You will not be too cold. And then we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. We bring people down in the name of Jesus Christ. Because there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When Peter and John looked at that lame man and say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. The only thing I can give you today is the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to help you get down, but I can't forgive your sins, Cameron. I can't wash them away. I can't make you a new creation. All I can do is obey the scripture and participate with you in the new covenant that Jesus Christ purchased for us. And so I'm going to ask all of us in just a moment to, to bow our heads and pray a prayer of repentance and faith. There's a painting that, if you could throw that up, that Dutch artist Rembrandt painted. It's a painting of the crucifixion. And when we first look at it, our attention is drawn immediately to the cross and to the person that hangs there. But then if we look at the crowd gathered around the cross with their gazes, we can see the attitudes, the reflections, the faces of the people as also their eyes gaze upon the man hanging there. But if we look to the edge of the picture, we see another figure in the shadows and 
This is Rembrandt himself. Because Rembrandt wanted to paint in the fact that his sins also helped to crucify the Lord of glory. And he's looking to the one that was crucified for him. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And if I was there with Rembrandt, I'd request two things first. Hey, buddy, give me one of your little paintings. I'll save her for my retirement later. The second thing, the second thing I would have had to do was Rembrandt, why don't you paint me in next to you? Because he died for me too. And it was my sins that took him to the cross. And so he was wounded for our transgressions so we can come to him and ask him to help us. I read about a, a child who got baptized and he was seven and his mother told the story. They, they baptized him at a little lake near their house. Tears streaming down her face, she watched as her son came out of the water. Then in a moment of joy, she asked her son, hey buddy, how do you feel? Do you feel any different? He said, yeah, ma, I do. Now I have water up my nose. <laughs> Maybe we need to save that for later till he really understands. But something will happen to you in the water. I hope it's not just water up your nose. If we do that right, you won't get any up your nose. But something takes place in the water. Our sins are washed away. And so I want us to gather in for just a moment with Cameron. And then after we pray and we'll sing a song, Britton will lead Cameron to the back to get changed. And we'll meet him in the water. And we can watch and celebrate with him. But I want us all, if we could, to gather up just a little bit. Come up front just a little bit. It's not going to be weird. We're just going to say a quick, simple prayer of confession, repentance, and faith to ask that God would meet us in the waters of baptism. And by the way, you don't have to stand. If you can sit, and you don't have to feel compelled to come. If you can make it here, our elders, please stay where you are. But we just want to do this together because I'm painted in the picture with Rembrandt. I have just as many sins as you do. But the good news is Jesus took care of every one of them. <laughs> and, and he's not done making new creations. He, he has not run out of material. He has not ran out of the cloth to, to make new clothes and garments of righteousness for us. And so I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and say a prayer after me. This is not a prayer that in itself is going to save you. But it's a prayer of confession and faith and repentance. Say, Lord... I admit, Lord, that I'm a sinner, but I also confess that you died for me. And in that death, you provided pardon for me. I don't want to leave that pardon sitting on a desk. So I receive it right now by faith. I receive it in Jesus' name. And I believe that in the waters of baptism, my sins are washed away. I have a new name. My name is written down in heaven. And I'm going to come up a new creation in Christ. 
with the promised gift of the Holy Spirit as my inheritance. And I claim it in Jesus' name. Give God a great big hand. We're going to sing our cap. Our baptismal candidate will be led to get changed. And when he goes in the water, I will be going up there. Let's sing and worship the Lord in our time of closing.